Good morning, everyone. We are at the top of the hour. It's 11 o'clock right now, and let's go ahead and get started. Today we've got a lot to cover, so I'm going to pretty much dive right in here. This is a really big topic of how do you actually reach your markets. I want to make sure to give plenty of time for questions towards the end here, but I'm going to give you a very fast list. If you are in a place where you can write, I want you to grab a pen and grab a paper um, because what we're going to talk about is actually how the different methods of getting to a market are related to the different goals you could have and which ones are best for which different types of goals. So um, it's very helpful for product people because usually the information that's out and available about marketing is very general, and it's for um, service businesses, and it's a different game when it comes to marketing a product. So I want to go over a little bit of logistics because I know we've got a, a bunch of new people today. So first off, welcome. This call is a piece of uh, public service that, that I do. I'm Amy Wenslow, and the name of the company, if you haven't been around us much, is Products to Profits, and we specialize in working with product-based businesses and building them to very large volumes and getting them into larger sales with very little inventory. And so it's about the back office pieces that you do that and that allows it to happen. So with that, um, oh, I'm seeing we have a whole bunch more people just came in. Welcome. I see we've got uh, North Carolina just popped in and more from New York City. So welcome, everybody. Um, these calls are not legal, meaning I'm not an attorney. That's what I should say. <laughs> the calls are definitely legal, but... If you have not filed for a patent and you're going to, these could qualify as public disclosure of an invention. So I want you, when you ask a question, if you have not already filed for your patent and you want to, you're going to hold back the magic secret that is going to make you eligible for a patent or not. Because I want to make sure that you keep your right to file for a patent and haven't publicly disclosed anything. So um, so my perspective in this is that of a product developer and someone who's been doing products for well over 20 years in the U.S. market and working with international factories as well as U.S. factories. Um, so what we're going to do is I'm going to launch and we're going to run through some content can be very high energy. So like I said, grab a pen, grab paper right now. If you don't have it in front of you already, I want you to get that. Um, and then I'm going to leave about 15 minutes of content, uh, sorry, Q&A time. So with this, one of the things that I think is a problem when most people think about approaching their market, there's so many different ways you could do it that it's like, which one is the right way, and what do I do? And people forget that there are different ways of approaching different goals, okay? So the way that you create product sales is not the same method for attracting sales reps 
or distributors or brokers. They are different ways of reaching the different markets that you need to market your idea and your business to. So first off, I've divided this into loose sections, if you will, about what type of method you might use to reach different goals in your business. Okay, So there are three basic goals inside any product business about markets that you would be trying to reach and why. All right, so the first one is that you want to build a mailing list that you can use to create product sales. Okay, so methods around creating product sales, having ongoing relationship with your buyers or, or getting more contact with end consumer type of buyers, okay? So there's end consumer product sales. Then there's corporate sales, okay? And then there's attracting team members as a third set of goals. And team members could be brokers, they could be distributors, they could be business advisors, um, could be influencers in certain markets. So, all right, you've got your product sales, your team, and sets of influencers, so your list build. So, here we go. Grab your pen, grab your hat. The bus is leaving the station and you are on it. Um, for cold contacts, new contacts that can fall into any one of those three goals of list building, product sales, or team, you're going to be looking for referrals or introductions. Now, let me translate this. So number one, referrals and introductions. In the product sales world, for product sales particularly, let, let's say you are doing Amazon sales. Your form of introduction or referrals are the recommendations and the you know five-star reviews, four-star reviews, one-star review. One-star review is not as high quality a referral for your product, okay? So a review on your product is a referral, okay? So to translate that for the product sales part, referrals and introductions for your team members, those are where you are asking maybe a professional that you have already working with you for a referral to, to such and such kind of resource. Or referrals for product sales can also be um, you asking somebody who's currently a customer for a recommendation to somebody else who could be a customer. For example, let's say you are um, you're selling a baby product, and you know that everybody who bought your baby product is around other people in their Lamaze classes, and you want to get the referral to those other people. So you can do some couponing. You can use other incentives to get them to recommend your product to the other people that are in the Lamaze class, for example. Okay. So referrals and introductions is number one. Second thing, social media. That is number two for cold contacts, new contacts. It will also work for existing contacts to connect on social media. Um, make sure that your social media platform that you're using is where your audience will be. For example, to 
go back to our baby product example here. Example would be Instagram and Pinterest are best for babies, moms, new moms, younger moms. If you want the aunts, the grandparents, the more mature mom, you probably would try Facebook. Okay, And you can use social media as a way of connecting and creating some referral contact. You could also drive ads, but social media is number two for cold and new contacts. For the cold and new contacts, number three, product reviews and blogs. There's a very interesting phenomenon. Now, most people don't really think about this. So we're going to run into this. The fact of the matter is this, that all human beings buy in cycles, okay? So if you are buying a baby product, that usually means that you're going to buy other baby products too, particularly if you're the parents, okay? You're going to, if you start buying toys, you're going to buy toys for a while, right? If you buy something for a nursery, you're going to buy things for a nursery for a while. You buy in blocks of interest, okay? So it's really important. Product reviews and blogs have an audience that are in the cycle of buying that related kind of product, okay? So blogs will be a great way for you to reach people that are in a buying cycle around a particular type of product. And if you are a service business, it'll be the same for a service business. Um, so number three is product reviews and blogs for, for finding new contacts. Um, now let's move into existing contacts. Say you already have the customer, okay? Email marketing is amazing if you already have the customer because, again, they are in an audience where they can refer you to other people, for one thing, they, and if your product is a consumable product, say a food product, and they consume it, they need to remember to go get more. So if you have their email contact, email marketing is an amazing method. Okay? It still works awesomely. All right? And this is so important that we are actually creating a joint venture with um, a colleague of mine, and there's going to be an email marketing program that we put out in the next few months that is really awesome, particularly for product people, okay? So I want you to pay attention to email marketing still as your business matures, so as you gain consumers. The challenge with email marketing, if you are going through brokers or distributors or you're on Amazon or whatever, is sometimes you don't get the buyer and consumer's contact information. QVC, you're never going to see the uh, contact information of somebody who bought from you on air. So it's a trade-off to get that exposure. You're not going to have the ability to do email marketing. Okay, so this is a fit in some cases, but not in all of them. All right, number five, for existing contacts, and this is even for finding new team members, networking. 
Networking in the product world is like I was talking about with getting the referral to the person who is in a Lamaze class, someone who is uh, buying midwife services or, or contracting for those. Um, so networking for existing contacts that are from the other person, so it relates to your referrals, right? But it also is about how can you network effectively to bring more value to the existing contacts you have. For example, say you build an amazing database of people who buy the baby product, right? and you want your business to have more revenue from that list of people, you could actually network and find another product that wants to sell to the list that you have and to the same consumer, and maybe you bring that product in and create more value and more sales of, your, of products through your business by networking to bring in an outside product. So we can talk more about that if anybody's interested. Um, one of the big things in the online world that I see people do, uh, they miss a lot of opportunities on, is number six, and that is post-purchase, okay, post-purchase ways of reaching the market. Post-purchase is a combination of cards that you may put inside the shipment or inside the product, asking for a recommendation, an online review, um, them to send a client testimonial to your website. And it's very important that you put things in the shipment if you, you can at all because it will take the offline sales cycle and it extends it. Okay, And one of the big things with online sales is the product reviews. So you have to actually remind people to go do that. When they're purchasing the product in an online environment, they're on, the on, they're on the computer. When they receive the package, they're no longer on the computer. They've had an experience with the product, maybe they love it, and you want them to go back to their computer and do something. You have to tell them in a kinesthetic, tactile way called a postcard or something inside the product, thanking them for buying it and giving them very clear instructions on how to go leave you a review, um, to go post to Facebook or post to Instagram or post to Pinterest, and what hashtag they should use when they do that posting. Okay, so post-purchase. Post-purchase could also include post-purchase emails. An email campaign, to continue with our example, say it's a baby product, somebody buys it, they get a postcard in the package, that says, you know, please go online and, and like our Facebook page and um, something like that. Well, if you have their email address, maybe a week or two afterwards, you send them an email, and the email says something like, if you're in a Lamaze class, we'd love to extend this great offer to everybody in your Lamaze class. That can happen through an email that they can then forward, okay? So post-purchase, post-purchase turns a single transaction into multiple sales. So it's really important. Um, number eight goes into influencers. 
and that is if you want to meet team members, for example, this is where you're using uh, professionals that you know, they may or may not be related to your product, to find other professionals or investors. So this works really well with, with people that are influencers, not necessarily consumers of your product. So professionals in the field usually know other professionals in a field. They also tend to be in groups together. If you're looking for a great accountant, an attorney usually knows a great accountant. Um, like We have an entire database of IP attorneys, intellectual property attorneys, patents, trademarks, etc. because of what we do. We're professionals in this field. Um, number nine is a bit more advanced, and most people shy away from it because of the budget. I encourage some ads if you are looking to meet um, consumers of a product, ads will be great. And you can run ads for influencers. For example, for my company, one of the ways that we network is we love to meet patent attorneys, okay? Because they have our market, right? So we actually will occasionally run an ad targeted at having intellectual property attorneys contact us because we help them make the project successful so that people have the money to then come back and do more business with them. So ways of reaching a market can be things like that. When you have an influencer that has your pond that does business with your kind of person already, networking with them can be very important. And most people do not think creatively enough about their ad campaigns to have gone, oh, hey, let's run an ad targeted to get the kind of people we want. Say, for example, you are looking to meet sales reps in the baby products industry or the food industry. You could run an ad somewhere saying, we are looking for sales reps that are willing to carry a line this kind of store, this kind of store, and this kind of store. You must have verifiable contacts in the industry. But you could run that ad and then vet everybody out and do your due diligence. Um, number 10, this works for products as well as raising visibility to influencers, and that is speaking. Speaking at conferences that are in your market, say for the ABC Kids show, uh, becoming a featured speaker for them um, can be a great profile raiser for your actual product as well. The guys who did the Cooler Cooler um, are speaking now and supporting their product that way as well. Okay. And then we have number 11, bonus. Okay. This is awesome, and most product people don't do it. And so they leave sales on the table, and that is creating joint ventures to bundle your products together with somebody else's. Okay. So... If you are doing online sales, this is awesome strategy because you can actually get your product carried with someone else's or the other way to do a joint venture would be to co-promote. Okay? For example, you might 
say on a certain offer that somebody who buys your product is going to get a coupon or a discount code for another product from somebody else. Works really well if you if you know someone else who's selling in your market with a non-competing product. So think about that. Joint ventures and bundling products and co-promoting extends your marketing budget. It's a great, great, great thing to do. So with that, I'm going to open up the line um, for questions. So if you have a question or you want to ask your particular way of like, okay, here's the audience I'm trying to reach, how can I get there? What I want you to do is press star 2, and that's going to raise your hand, okay? So if you're on the phone, press star 2, and that will let me know that you've got a question, and I'm just going to check in with Maggie real quick over here and see if there are any questions online. Okay, great. She's giving me the thumbs up over there. And perfect. All right, so let's see. We've got a question coming in. I don't know where you're calling from. So if you pressed star two, let's see. I know Denise Evans from Fontana has a question. Um, hi there, Fontana. Is this is this Denise? This is actually Brittany. Um, Denise is my mom, and um, I just okay. had two. Hey, I had two questions for you, and um, thank you so much for the helpful insight. One question is is that I have a product, and I want to launch it on Kickstarter or Indiegogo. Um, now, mm-hmm. would, do you think um, ads would be a great way for me to um, promote my product or networking? Um, if you're going to do a Kickstarter or Indiegogo campaign or any crowdfunding, the most successful ones actually start with an ad budget. Um, so networking is going to be too slow for what you need to do in a crowdfunding environment. Because crowdfunding, you really only have most campaigns that are successful run about 60 days. So, And people are in front of their computer. So I would recommend an ad budget on that. You know, and depending on how much money you want to raise and what kind of project it is, it could be an ad budget of, you know, a hundred dollars a day or or something like that. Um, I know very successful campaigns have started with about three thousand dollars worth of advertising. Okay, and um, also I had a question um, regarding what you um, do on the phone. You've mentioned how um, to go on ABC Kids for um, speaking mm-hmm. about your product. Um, is, what, what right. is that? The ABC Kids Show is in the fall. Um, I think it's in October. Um, that's when usually when it is, and it's in Vegas. So there are different trade shows and different speaking opportunities for all different kinds of things. Like right now there's a ton of speaking happening on crowdfunding campaigns, and they're looking for people that are actually doing a crowdfunding campaign to be speakers on different panels and things. So um, that's a great way to get out there if you're doing a crowdfunding campaign. is mm-hmm. not just about your actual product, but about where you are in the process and look for speaking opportunities in that. Okay, perfect. And just one more question. Um, do you recommend that I also do radio advertisements as well too? 
for Kickstarter or for crowdfunding or what? For um, crowdfunding. Nope. nope. No, I don't. It's the budget is too high. If you're doing oh. a, if you're doing a crowdfunding campaign, you usually aren't going to have the money you need to do radio or television ads. Okay. Yeah, so I plus it's very hard to convert somebody from hearing a radio ad or a television ad to doing something on their computer. It's much better to use online ads for that. Okay. Thank you. Cool. You're welcome, Brittany. I'm going to mute your line for your privacy. And our next question is coming from um, someone I can't can't give any details on. So if you pressed it, if you pressed star two to ask a question, your line's open. Who am I talking to? Hi, Amy. Is it me? It is you. Hi. This is Shireen. How are you? I'm doing great, Shireen. What can I do for you today? What's I your have, question? Uh, I have um, two questions. One is, what, what's the best way to find other people for the joint venture? Where where would um, you go to find people? It depends on what the joint venture area is. Like, what what's your product? I have an um, uh, eyeglass clip that I've talked to you before. Got it. Okay, so with an eyeglass clip, um, people for joint ventures could be optometrists, could be um, somebody selling eyeglasses. There's a ton of places. You know, if if you want them to promote your product, you yes. might create some sort of promotional campaign that they can give to everybody who buys a new pair of glasses, for example. Okay. So, so I should go online and find people who are selling glasses and send them emails, say, do you want to do joint venture? Yeah, you could do that. You could also look for anybody who's selling eyeglass cleaning products. Okay. You know, there, there's a million different ways you could do that. You could actually start with, um, you know, getting involved in, say, the professional organization of optometrists. Okay. And, you know, there are some different opportunities to sponsor or do joint ventures with their members. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways it applies. Um or you look for somebody who is maybe selling eyeglass cases because you might find some people even through like Etsy or something else like that. Etsy sellers are usually not as savvy on marketing. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, eh. Yeah. Eh. Yeah, um, exactly. If you think about joint joint ventures and recommended products, Amazon is brilliant at that. That's really joint ventures and co-promotions and add-on sales are really what's happening when Amazon at the bottom says, you know, people who bought this also bought that. Right. Other thing. Oh, I see. Okay, so Amazon would be one place. Yeah, but Amazon, it's going to be within your listing, and they're going to automatically suggest related products. I see. And and your product would get suggested to other people, too. So I should contact Amazon for that. If you're going to become an Amazon seller, yes. Yes, I am already. Okay. So I would look at how you increase 
your odds of becoming a suggested product when someone buys eyeglass cleaners, for example. Right, right. Or eyeglass cases. Okay, okay. All right? All right. And my second question is, you uh, mentioned about, you know, putting something in the package. I have been putting handwritten thank you and saying please uh, uh, give a positive review and feedback and tell your family and friends, but I haven't received even one comment or review from putting these notes in the packages. So it's probably the languaging of your note. Um, oh. But then again, how many of them have you sent out? Every product I send out, I put one with it. Right. So how many has that been? About maybe 500. Okay. With 500, if you're wording it well, you should have seen at least maybe um, – Low end, there should have been at least 20 of those coming back. Oh, so you think it's the worst? You're not going to see. You're not going to see like you send out 500 and you're going to get 300 of them back. You're doing the action. Mm-hmm. I would look at incentivizing the action. Okay. Okay. So it's not compelling. The way you've worded it isn't mm-hmm. working. So. I would reword it. Okay. For one thing. Okay. And I would um sometimes it helps if they know that you're a small business. Mhm. You know, sometimes that can help, sometimes it can hurt, it depends on the situation. But I would look at rewording what you're saying. Oh, okay. And making it about them and and you might be able to give them some kind of incentive if they go leave a review. Oh, okay. All right. Fine. Yeah, like I know um, a colleague of mine that has a product up on Amazon. Um, when he speaks at events, he gives everybody who's who's at the event, he flat out asked them, he said, you know, we're really looking to build our reviews online. And if you're willing to help with that, then here's what I'll do. Um, I'm going to bundle two products together and we'll, you know, so he actually asks for people's help. Oh, so I should offer something. Okay. If you can. Okay. You don't want to violate the terms of service. Right, right. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank so pay you. attention to the terms of service. You're welcome. So I'm going to mute your line for your privacy, Sharon. And then uh, let's see, we have. Uh, Baltimore looks like Washington or Baltimore, Maryland. Hi there. What's your question? Is that me, Amy? It is. It's Cynthia. Is it Cynthia? It's Cynthia. Yeah, from hey, uh, Cynthia. Louisville, Hi. Actually. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, what can I uh, answer for you? Okay. So the question. Well, I have two questions, and they're quick questions. So. Do you have to, well, can you get a patent on a beverage? Can, can you patent a beverage? Um, you know, I'm not an attorney, so I can't give legal advice. Oh, right. Um, patents are, are usually more for method or design or something like that. You could look at trade secret protection. Oh, trade Okay. So, and then the second part of the question is, do you have to build a market around a beverage? before you can get it 
license? Can you license a beverage out to another beverage company? And do you have to build a market before you ask someone to take over your beverage? I would first look at the requirements of the trade secret protection before doing anything. Okay. Because think about Coca-Cola. That's mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Like if if somebody had a new version of something along the lines of Coca-Cola um, right. and they wanted to protect it, Coca-Cola is protected by trade secret. And, okay. um And so your ability to get trade secret and to lock it down is really important if you want to license it. Otherwise, if you can't do the trade secret piece, you would probably have to build a brand very quickly before the recipe gets reversed engineered because the flavor profile and all of that is what you're really looking to capitalize on. And the right. value of a beverage company, a lot of the value is in the trademark. Unless, you know, like our, our client Nut Pods, Madeline's done an amazing job of creating something that's technically very difficult to do. So not every manufacturer can do it. And her market, you know, she's she's done an awesome job. Um, but that's because it's a technically difficult thing to, to make. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So, and what's yeah, the name of the product you definitely. Said, what, what's, what's the name of the product you just said? You said Nut what? Oh, our client what's, what's, Madeline over at Nut Pods. Oh, Nut Pods. It's N U T P O D S. Okay. Yeah, she's she's done an awesome job with. Like her ingredients have some some challenges in working with them, so she's done a great job of of coming up with a way to do that. Oh wow! Okay. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So I'm going to mute your line for your privacy, and let's see. We've got one, two, three. So let's see. Our next question is from Santa Barbara, California. Hi there. Hi, Amy. It's Kristen. How are you? I I thought this might be you. It's me. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hey, yeah. I was going to see if it was okay with you if I could just make a comment real quick to Brittany uh, regarding her startup for crowdfunding. Absolutely. I know you had experience with that. Go ahead. Good. So, Brittany, if you're still on the line, uh, I got fully funded on Kickstarter in 2013. And in... Also, what Amy said, definitely have your budget, but utilize as much free stuff as you can. For example, MailChimp is an excellent email marketing campaign system mm-hmm. that's free. You can let everyone know in your immediate you know, networking infrastructure what you're doing. Start doing that at least two weeks. Start sending out kickers a couple days before, and then definitely utilize all your social media platforms and make your own page you know, representing your brand and your logo. And then you're pushing traffic to the launch of your campaign. Everybody knows what's happening. So that was, that was something that yeah. really I felt was successful for us. So good luck, Brittany. Perfect. Um, and I had and a question. Kristen, the, uh, wait, wait, wait yeah. the other thing that's really mm-hmm. important for everybody on here who's doing anything with crowdfunding is to know that you need to maintain sustained effort on all promotions for the entire length of the campaign. 
and use everything that's positive that you know if you go like oh my god we're at 60% of our goal who's going to be the who are the people that are going to kick us over the top like maintain the energy do updates do videos do like yeah it's a full time job right <laughs> it full-time is job. it is it's not like you do it for 2 weeks before your launch and you stop no you know this is all about every business is all about maintaining energy all the way through the finish line of everything that you're doing. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. So what's so your question? I have, I have a question for you. In regards to ads, um, What have you had any experience with advertising on LinkedIn for sales reps on a smaller scale, like boutique? Um, I, we haven't done anything targeted to sales reps on LinkedIn. Um, we just started using LinkedIn advertising again, I'd say within the past month or so. Okay. Um, and it depends on what you're advertising for. Okay. Um, we should have a bigger conversation because I know that um, just for everybody's benefit on the call, uh, Kristen is one of our clients. And so we should have another conversation around the what you're able to sign. Yeah. Because of the recent contracts you've signed. Yeah. And then okay. Yeah, we should talk about that. I just was curious. It's something in the call that came to my mind is this, if you were looking for uh sales reps it might be a good place because I know they're approaching me. But I liked the way you positioned the ad with having, you know, experience and being able, you know, to get that information from them. So thank you for making mm-hmm. me think about it. You're welcome. You're welcome. And I did get your email about your sell sheets, so I'll be looking at those today, okay? Great. I'll be in touch. Thank you for your time. This is a great call. Awesome. You're welcome. I'm going to mute your line for your privacy. And let's see. Our next call is coming from Denver, Colorado. Hi there. Hi, Amy. It's Kate. Hey, Kate. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks so much for this really informative, timely call as always, Amy. You know My what? question. Isn't that so funny? Go ahead. Yes. What, what is it? <laughs> okay. My question is we've just recently created a Facebook page and we're going to be launching a social media campaign. And I was wondering what is the best way to create value for our customers on these social media campaigns? Who are you defining as your customer in that campaign? We are looking at executive directors and directors of rehabilitation within the senior care communities. Okay, cool. So the executive directors and directors, they're usually going to be over the age of 35, I would guess, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Okay, cool. So you're in the right platform, okay, because that was – first question is, is it Facebook Mm -hmm. is the right place? I actually think that you should be looking at LinkedIn. Okay. Because you're talking to a more professional audience. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I would test LinkedIn over Facebook. Like, I would take the same – let me be very clear. For everybody who's listening to this, when I say test one over the other, what I mean is – Take a very small ad budget of, say, 10 bucks a day, right? Mm-hmm. Take almost identical ads and post one in Facebook and one in LinkedIn. 
do it for like two, three days mm -hmm. and see which one gets more clicks and response. So it's a gotcha. technical term for this is called split testing or A-B testing. Now, what I want you to do, though, is this is all very easy, okay? When you mm -hmm. create the ads, I want you to try maybe four or five different pictures associated with the ads in each of the campaigns. So over on Facebook, you would have four or five different kinds of images, same headline, okay? Mm -hmm. And you can do that within one campaign, and it can be your $10 budget or something like that inside the campaign. Mm -hmm. So it's not per image that you're paying the 10 bucks. It's the campaign, 10 bucks mm -hmm. a day. Okay. okay. And then the analytics of Facebook will tell you which one of those pictures got the most clicks. Okay? Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So that way you'll, you'll find out, hey, here's a winning image. Okay? Right. You can do the same thing with headlines. Mm -hmm. Okay? And then you're going to take the same images and headlines and test it over in LinkedIn. Same way. Multiple mm -hmm. images inside one campaign. Same headline see which image gets the most click. Do the same mm -hmm. thing for once you get the image that works, take the same image, do different headlines, mm -hmm. and see which headline works. Okay? Gotcha. We just Very recently good. did this on the videos that are on our homepage, and my intuition had said that our market was more on LinkedIn than they were on Facebook. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We not only... We, we tested images. I had an image that was Times Square with a text headline over it about the videos. And then mm -hmm. I had an image that was me looking straight at the camera with the same headline. Yeah. Right. Everybody gotcha. says over on Facebook, everything with a person does better. Not true mm -hmm. for us. Interesting. The picture of Times Square beat out my face by like four to one. Wow. <laughs> So guess what we're using now? <laughs> hmm, that's a tough question, Amy. <laughs> tough question. Four times yes, better results yes. with the same budget, different picture. Uh, yes, but I'll do all day long. <laughs> test. Don't assume. Okay. Gotcha. Take ten gotcha. bucks a day. Run it for like three days, and mm -hmm. run it the same days if you can. Okay. If you want to tr test the Facebook one this week test the LinkedIn one the same days of the week the next week. Gotcha. Or test Facebook and LinkedIn at the same time. Gotcha. Because you don't want to make a false assumption that, oh, LinkedIn is worse than Facebook because, you you know, you test one over the weekend and one during the week and mm -hmm. it's all different. Right. Okay? Apples to apples as much as you can. Very good. Okay. But I think... I think you might see better results on LinkedIn. It makes sense with the professional that we're shooting at, you know, looking for. So that does make a lot right. of sense. Okay. Now, you, Great. if your market that you're trying to reach, the audience you're trying to reach with the ad campaign is caregivers of mm -hmm. people at home, right. then Facebook is the right place. Gotcha. Gotcha. Makes sense. Audience and would is we really just important. yes 
And of course, looking at different audiences like the caregivers or people that are in home health and whatnot, those would be separate campaigns, I'm assuming, because it's a different message. Yes. And they might be different pictures. Yes. Okay. Like if you were if you were doing one that is targeted towards the caregivers, you might go to say iStock photo and buy some pictures of, you know, like a forty something year old woman with a seventy or eighty year old person in mm-hmm. the picture and run that as the image. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Great, Amy. Thank you. Sure. You're welcome. I'm going to mute your line, Kate, and then we're going to take our last question today is coming from New York City. Hi there. This is Amy. What can I do for you? Hello, Amy. Hi. Hello, Amy. Hey, how are you doing yeah. today? This is. I'm this doing is great. Who, who is this? This is Easy Access. Easy Access. Okay, cool. Um, what can I answer you. for you today? Oh, um, my all right. Um, on patenting, is getting a PCT patent, um, extending the life for filing a foreign patent, is this a good idea? Do companies like this when you're trying to license your idea? Um, that's a, a tough question because, number one, first off, I need to tell you I'm not an attorney. From a practical standpoint, yes. um, I it really becomes a question of does it pay to do it? You know what I mean? Like, does it give you a higher return, a long, a, like a bigger set of checks, basically, over a longer period of time, or is the return on investment low? That's how I want everybody to think about everything that they're doing with their products, okay? Everybody, so if you're still on the call, and I see we have a ton of people still listening today, it's all about the return on your investment, okay? So a, a uh, the Patent Cooperation Treaty patents allow you to sell your product or license your product in more countries, which could be very, very valuable if your product can be sold in multiple countries, which, you know, doorknobs can. Okay. Um, so I would look at the cost, and I'd look at the market size, and I, I do a cost benefit on it first off. All right. um, and if you're trying to license to a big multinational, then yes. having more countries involved can be very helpful. Would would it be yeah. um if if a company that's looking to license my idea, if they was to say to me that I would not have to go for an international patent and they would go for it, does that give them the right to that patent then? Well, they would be the patent holder. Right. Okay. Good enough. Thank you very much, Amy. I mean, so, there, so there's that. I mean, they if they file for it and, you know, you'd want to make sure that you're listed as, as an inventor or a co-inventor or something, and I'm not sure how that would work. That's definitely a patent attorney question. Okay. Because it, it speaks to your ability to even license to anybody else. Here, here's okay. For all of you, this is really important that you keep in mind how the contract with one entity plays out if you have another entity involved. Meaning, say you get an 
you do the U.S. patent, and then somebody else, the company you license to, for example, first off, you don't have any sales history with them. You don't know that they're actually delivering on what they say they're going to deliver on for sales, right? Yes. But they're going to go file the international patent. And, okay, cool. Let's say that they do that. You You say, that's awesome, cool, all well and good. And then... They, the U.S. Pat, the U.S. Uh, royalty agreement falls through. They don't deliver on what they say they're going to do, and you want to license to somebody else. And that second company that you license to wants the international rights. Do you have the ability to do that second contract? Okay. It's very important to play the tape the whole way through. Okay? Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, we've we've had this where, you know, we've had a client re- have us review their contract on a sales rep agreement, and there's one little phrase that, hey, because this and because there's no addendum and whatever, you know, that person would have exclusive rights for several years, by the way. Okay. So, so definitely think it through. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I'm going to go ahead and mute your line for your privacy. And with that, um, we are we've gone way over today. I hope this was valuable for everybody. I'm going to open up everybody's lines. If you want to say a, a quick goodbye and and uh, you can greet everybody. Um, so with that. All your all the lines are open live. So thank you. Everyone Amy. have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so very much. Thank you so much. You're welcome everyone. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. Bye. Bye now.